Welcome to the Scrunch Creator Economy Show. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, CEO of Scrunch, the destination for the creator economy. On this podcast, we interview the brands, agencies, creators, and tools supporting the creator economy to shine a light on the businesses doing epic things for this ecosystem, as well as uncovering how anyone can get in on this $100 billion industry. And trust me, it's just getting started. Amazing. All right, Wes, from Tap Edit Go, cheers to you. Thank you for being on the Scrunch Creator Economy Show. I'm very, very excited to be here. It's pretty awesome. I mean, yeah, we've been chatting before, but I'm very excited to get into more conversation. I'm just excited. You're the first guest I've had that has a gin and tonic. So (laughs) I'm pretty excited about that. You've made my day already and we haven't even started talking. (laughs) Well, during COVID, I got got through my COVID phase just cocktail making that's literally mm. everyone went like gym fanatics i put on kilos because i just made too many cocktails every single night experimented it's way too fun but gin and tonic I, always goes down well for a podcast so i feel like if you didn't put co- a weight on during covid you weren't doing it right <laughs> you weren't doing COVID right <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's it. Point. <laughs> well why don't we start off with a bit of history so let's um so our audience brands agencies marketers creators Let's tell them how you got here. So what did you do leading up to starting Tap Edit Go? Well, um, well, it's been a kind of a weird journey. It started very accidental, um, but I've been a filmmaker pretty much my entire life. I've had odd jobs here and there when I was a young kid, but I started filmmaking when I was 16. Mm. uh, And I started making money from videos when I was 17 doing wedding videos, which I'll never do again because that was... (laughs) kind of explosion in the head. I don't um, know how you would deal with brides, seriously. Uh, This was also back in the days of DVDs where we had to like produce DVD after DVD after because the package was like 25 DVDs. And during high school, I wasn't studying because I was just making DVDs the whole time. And my mum still to this day, uh, I rubbed this in her face. She said, (laughs) you'll never make a career out of filmmaking. Stop and start studying. And I'm like... I'll show you, Mum. I'll show you. I'll show you. <laughs> awesome. Um, so, yeah, my mum's amazing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not just rubbing her in face. But um, I basically went from there and uh, I did everything in the film industry. I, I worked for nonprofits and did documentaries overseas. Uh, I worked as a music tour manager, doing uh, media on the side as well, capturing videos for them. I worked in the TV industry and the film industry. I've done pretty much everything. But... Um, I realized I hated doing all the corporate stuff. I hated mm-hmm. like the politics and the money side. So I started, when YouTube first started, we started kind of doing business videos. We started just realizing businesses have an opportunity to be digital online. We started making business documentaries, telling people stories, because that's what people wanted cool. to hear back then. Mm. Um, and now we've just kind of moved into a form and I still run production companies like Small Town Media is another company we have. And um, we still make business videos, little video montages, because people don't mm. really care about the audio side these days. They just want a visual representation mm. of a business. But um, Tap Edit Go started really weirdly. It actually started with a real estate agent that said he wanted to make heaps of social media videos and he wanted me to pay, he only had 600 bucks. And our right. videos start at two and a half grand and go up from there. And we were like, <laughs> yeah, we can't do six videos for 600 bucks. That's just not our 
price line. But I said, because smartphones were getting good. I think mm. we were at iPhone 6 at this point when he asked me. And I was like, um, how about I teach you how to shoot videos on your own phone? And we can even just put some music. I'll show you how to put music on. And we did that. And then from there, we got like 15 phone calls within two weeks at our production wow. company we were running then going, hey, we saw what you did for Jared. Can you teach us how to do that? And we're like, okay. And I started a class. And then basically we realized that more and more people were asking, hey, we do love professional videos and we know that there's a space for professional videos, mm -hmm. but we want to just make some short form content and we don't have the budget $100,000 a year to get someone to put a video on social media for us once a week. And this yep. is going back like five years ago and it's way, it's almost like a video a day now on social media. Mm. But, um, and I believe to my it's dismay. Evolved. Yeah, it's, it's a whole space. <laughs> but I feel like it's just, it's, it's evolved into something different. And like even mm. on Reels and TikToks these days, people, we've realized that people don't even like professional videos because they don't, they feel like a professional video sells them something. Yeah. Organic videos don't. Like people making it on the smartphones, vertical video really justifies. So everyone's got opinions about videos, but I just say ride the wave and figure out where everything's going. If people are watching it and they're liking it, it works. So we think smartphone videos are pretty amazing for what they do. I travel full time for work. I don't have any house. I don't live anywhere. I travel overseas after COVID. I've been overseas twice since COVID, which has been awesome. That's um, amazing. Yes. Yes. As soon as, as soon as the borders opened up, I, I like, got I'm out. out. I'm out of here. It's <laughs> off. I'm going. I so just didn't true. want to do the two weeks quarantine coming back. That was the only problem. Mm -hmm. um, so I do travel videos on my smartphone. I never take my professional camera unless I'm doing street photography. But yep. I don't, if I'm not getting paid to make videos, I will make smartphone videos because I don't feel like I'm actually working. And yeah, that's awesome. So that's how that whole form started. And we basically did uh, full day workshops and we would teach people in one day. And it was mainly small businesses how to make shoot and edit on their phones. We made it very practical and we had like, they would have to walk away making their video, their very first video on the day. We'd yep. play a game, they'd all film the game and then they'd sit down for an hour and actually edit the video. So people realized sometimes you can't really make a video in an hour, which freaked yes. a lot of people out. <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a crash Part of the experience. Exactly. It was a crash course with a lot of information and showing you how to make those videos, which was cool. That's so cool. So is it still like full day workshops or is the well, format different? During COVID, we kind of did a standstill, mainly because I'm a full extrovert. <laughs> I was doing heaps of online courses as everyone was that were doing mm. workshops. We did heaps of online courses and everyone was paying for it. It was making good money, but mm. I was getting severely kind of depressed. I'm not a depressed person, but I was getting upset when I was mm. hanging up Zoom calls on a complete high from finishing a workshop and I was sitting in a room by myself and I was just like, oh, this sucks. It sucks. So we yeah. kind of stand still on it and we're uh, evolving the business now. So we're still doing one day workshops and we're doing a run later this year, probably start of next year. Mm. We still waited for the whole COVID thing just to be over. Yeah. Over and then started vamping up. But we're evolving our business into also online training for short form content. We realize that people can't do a full day online. Yeah. They just want small lines. And a lot of people want specific videos, how to make a specific reel, how to make this. And yeah. we can't take too much, but we've got things in the woodworks of little tiny tutorials on specific stuff 
after learning the basics of filmmaking. So yeah, we're still we're still we're still going and we're still around, but we did make a couple of other businesses during COVID just because I got bored, which is another. Oh, sounds <laughs> like the plight of every startup founder. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. had a, a day off. I might start a new business. <laughs> you get bored and you want to validate something. You've got this cool idea, and everyone has ideas in business, and I love mm -hmm. that people do, but. An idea is an idea. It's yeah. worth nothing until you actually validate it. Yes. So I love validating businesses and making sure people are willing to spend, pay for it. So yes. that's kind of what I did during COVID. And it's some of those businesses have taken off and grown their own legs. Wow, that is awesome. Yeah. So, so tell me, you know, so obviously tap, edit, go. We're talking video here. Yeah. Why video? Like, you know, I was just got used to Instagram being pretty pictures and now I've got to make videos. Why video? <laughs> well, it's, it's yeah, totally. And uh, it's, it's a great question because people don't understand this very well. I believe videos is just a different medium because mm. ever since the dawn of existence it pretty much they can trace it storytelling has always been the biggest form of connection in human culture that's yeah. it storytelling but it's it's a different way to do it and it's evolved over time mm. so huge things to connect with people was sitting around a campfire and telling dream time stories and all that kind of stuff and then it evolved into music when people started mm. telling cultural stories through music and paintings and artworks and then uh photography came out in what the 20s or something like that black and white photography and it was just showing what people looked like and then mm -hmm. storytelling became in feature films was huge but they didn't mm -hmm. have any audio all this stuff just slowly evolved and in the last since smartphones since everything's come up like when i started making filmmaking it was still dvds i was showing everyone dvds going to their house people were still sitting around the couch communicating as a family watching group <laughs> stuff kind of stuff and like people can bitch in my i love watching gogglebox because it's still that old form of how people <laughs> i have never watched it <laughs> it's, it's literally just how i remember watching tv as kids as all the family right. members would sit around and get forced to watch something yeah and you just comment on it the entire Commentate time. Commentate on it, yeah. <laughs> you never even watched the show. No one's silent through it. You're just like watching <laughs> the moaning the whole time. Nice. And me and my family still try to do that occasionally, just put on something that's crap and we just talk through the entire thing. Amazing. Um, but that's another form of like storytelling because we're making our own stories about something else. It's the same mm. thing as support. People like getting involved in the story and the players, everything like that. But there was a huge shift when social media came out that photography was the easiest form of social media mm. uh, storytelling then went one because photos were easy to capture data was a lot slower back then so it was easy yeah. to put that up putting videos up uh internet couldn't even handle it there wasn't even a platform for it you had to i remember with um facebook didn't even have a video platform they had to link yeah. you to youtube That's and then right. like, we want to do our own one and they disagree they're like no you can't put youtube or we won't show it anywhere and that's because they wanted to use their own form of video because it evolved and mm. video has now evolved to being the general consensus of mm. we want that information we want that content but i still believe there's this odd balance at the moment because the energy to put to make a video yeah. is quite hard compared to making a photo so and you could go and take a hundred photos in a day which would be almost a year's worth of content if yeah. you post once a day 30 videos uh, sorry it's three months not a year's worth but if you put 30 uh, photos up a month 
then yeah. you got three months worth of content shot in one day. But yeah. it takes probably a quarter of a day to half a day to make a good video. Mm. And that's once. So pretty much you're trying to just chase your tail of making videos. People that know how to make videos can make them quite quickly. But business owners, marketing agencies, sometimes they don't have that skill set because they haven't been trained in it. Mm. And it just freaks them out going, well, I'm wasting all this time. I can probably put up one video a week because that's all the time I have. Yeah. With all my other jobs. So it's going to evolve and video is becoming a high demand. But I think it's also the same way. I, I liked photos a lot more because you could instantly see it and move on quite quickly and you get the mm. entire story. With videos now, if you're not engaging someone in three seconds, you, yeah. your video might be missed and all that effort's just gone out the window. So it's hard to get that engagement. Well, but, even like, you know, if people are in a public place, are they even playing the video with sound? So, you know, if you're kind of mixing between video or image, you're like, ah, I can't watch it anyway. And that's the hardest thing because you basically mm. got to figure out how are people going to watch this and how can I hold them? Because mm. we used to, and that's how I made my money as a filmmaker because I used to sit down with heaps of people, heaps of businesses would come to me going, I want to make this video. And I'd go, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I, as soon as I hear, I back down. <laughs> I'm like, this is not the video you need. Cause mm -hmm. we had these five questions and I can run through these really quickly if need be, but we had five questions that pretty much made my film career in running my own production company. It was like, first the biggest question, which is always the foundation of every video is who's watching your video. Cause, and I used to try to make it into one person. A lot of businesses know the customer avatar mm. and my most hated things, hated things on social media is when people say, Hey, Facebook, Hey, Facebook world. Cause you're kind of <laughs> neglecting everybody. Like I'm yeah. just like, who the f is all this Hi, internet? I'm, I'm sitting on the toilet by myself watching a video. Who else am I watching this video with? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I actually learned it from radio presenters as well. Cause radio presenters never say, Hey, everyone, I have a new song for you all. They say, mm. Hey, I have a new song for you. And that mm. makes you go, even though they're talking to the masses, they're addressing one person. Wow. And that's, and I makes, never thought of that before. That's so cool. And literally, if people do that with their videos, you feel more connected and you feel yeah. more intrigued that they're talking to me. And like heaps of those fake magicians that do it on, like, they're, they're always trying to make you feel like you're, they're doing a trick on you, but it's all mathematics stuff. But yeah. it makes you feel way more engaged that he's like, he can't be talking to me. He can't be doing magic on me because he doesn't know me and he's not mm. even there. So that's the whole magic behind it. But if you can say, yeah, address an individual while talking to the masses, mm -hmm. it really hits home for most videos if you can do it. Um, it's, it, it takes a little bit of training to do, yep. but it's it's one. So who's your audience is my usually my first one. Yep. Um, uh, sorry, I'm trying to remember. I haven't done this for a while now. Um, uh what are you gonna make uh is the big thing oh sorry yeah. no who why why is it why are you making a video so yeah. what's your purpose because if you don't have a reason to make it um you, it's gonna flop on its ass if you don't have a sales pitch at the end or a call to action or anything that it like if your purpose is just to entertain someone mm -hmm. great entertain someone do, if that's all it is, if it is to make someone laugh, that's a purpose. If it is mm -hmm. to make a sale, if you're trying to get people through your door, whatever it is, if you're trying to be an influencer, get people to buy something so you can make money off the other company, you've yeah. got to have a direct way. And there is sneaky ways to sell without selling. That's a whole nother thing. Uh, the third question is what, what are you going to make? So who are you, who are you addressing? 
why are you making a video? What are you going to make? So what type of video? Because there's so many different types of videos. Yep. So with those two foundations, what would be the best? The next two are really interesting and they can kind of flip on their heads uh, differently. But um, how are you going to make money from this is usually because we teach businesses. So yep. how is this going to help you? Mm. Uh, and usually how to make money. And we have a whole sales pitch of how you can make money through video. We could be here for hours if I try to do that. <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Um, and the final thing is where are you going to put it? And the yeah. where can actually change a lot of the first four questions mm. because it changes the format. And if you need to make more than one, because if you're going to do it on YouTube, it needs to be a, vert a horizontal video. If you're going to yeah. be on Instagram, it needs to be a vertical reel, all this kind of stuff. So yeah. they change all the time. But if you don't address those five questions, mm. really your video is just going to flop. So we just tell all our audiences to about who your audience is, why you're making a video, what are you going to make, how's it going to benefit you, and where's it going to go. And if you think about those questions straight away, you usually do quite well. Yeah, well, I love that so much because I'm pretty sure the thought process that goes into most people's minds is, oh, I've got to post a reel every day or I'm not going to get anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the, that's the non-question that everyone asks themselves. I've got people that don't even post on social media. So this is... Going back to, and I know we're backtracking here, but going back to the real estate agent, I convinced him not to make Facebook videos. Nice. And because he was like, I just want to be on Facebook. And I literally went to the first question. I was like, who's your audience? He's like, you know, everybody. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. First of all, cut that shit out. That's, that's if anybody has answered that, you are wrong. <laughs> you are wrong. To be honest, my I've got, a, I've got a fake person in my head that I sell to because it's my mm. target audience. And mm. then, like... 35 to 45 year old women. So there's like, I've got a 37 year old woman that has started her first business. Her name's Sarah. That is my target audience. And Sarah sounds awesome. awesome. <laughs> yeah, Sarah's awesome. And she's yeah. just got two kids that have just gone off to high school and they're doing their own thing. So she doesn't have to worry about them anymore. And she started her first business. She's like, yeah, wow. I've got time. Um, but she didn't know how to do social media. So this is someone I've made up in my head, but every mm. time I talk and when I was saying address one person, yeah. I'm always thinking of Sarah when I talk to the camera. Even that's though that I never say her name or her gender or what she does, mm. I'm talking to her. That's the person in my head. And I've made a fake image of this person. She's quite attractive, but that's... <laughs> Shocking. I'm, I'm shocked. You're going to make someone imaginary. That's what I would do. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that worked well. For the real estate I've just agent, decided that Chris Hemsworth is my audience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I digress. I digress. I, to be honest, I've done that with somebody else and they thought of Ryan Gosling and it made them stutter through their entire video. They're like, oh my God, All right, oh okay. My God, I, it didn't I, work. I, I retract, like, nah, I retract nah. that. <laughs> um, but with a real estate agent, we realized that his target audience was people buying and selling houses, which happened yeah. once or twice in somebody's lifetime. Yeah. Very rarely that happens. Yes. So but he's like, if I address it all Facebook, I'll find those people. I was like, no, no, no. I was like, mm. where is your key audience? And we're like, where, where do we find those people? Mm. We realized that people buying and selling houses, really going off the people that are buying houses, because once he yeah. got the commission, he's just trying to sell it. Mm. The people that are going to open houses, those people are usually finding those open houses and walking through because that buyer has to be looking in that specific area in that specific yes. town anyway. He's yes. not going to find that on Facebook. So we basically decided he need to make, he wanted his whole reason, the why, mm. was he wanted to personally connect with buyers 
Mm -hmm. So he looked a little bit more professional. He didn't want to look like a, just a sleazy salesman. He wanted to have a personal connection. Yeah. So what we decided to do and the what video came after that and yeah. so did the how and where, but this kind of all formed into one, was that we told him after every open house, he wasn't allowed to run off to another open house. He wasn't mm. allowed to just piss off and just go to the next one and try to sell the next one at an open house. We told him, what do the buyers usually give you at the open house every single day? They give their name, their yep. email and their phone number. Yep. We just told him he needed to send a video to every single text number. So he would record a video of him walking through the house saying, oh, hi, Sam and Steve, my name's Jared. Uh, I've, I just met you at the front door of the house. Sorry, I couldn't walk through. Um, been amazing just meeting you. If you have any personal questions, I'm here to answer any questions. I'm happy to give you a personalized walkthrough. Thanks so much. He usually have a This is incredible. I love yeah. this. Yeah. And he was struggling to sell six houses at the point we helped him and yeah. he sold all six within three months. Uh, oh, just doing that personal connection. Now, I believe that was because of me, but yeah, there might have been some other factors obviously. that might have changed. But no, but it's so cool. And I love like, I guess there's different levels here, right? So when we first started the conversation, I was just thinking about video for social, like, because I guess that's kind of where I play. But I'm just thinking as a business owner, if you are sending personalized videos to your customers or potential customers, hmm. that's huge. Like it's obviously an investment in your time, but the payoff could be very interesting. But you can automate a lot of that stuff now. There's a company called Bonjuro that I work with a lot. They're actually in Brisbane as well. So they're awesome. Um, but they're worldwide now. But they do personalized email videos that you get oh, a trigger. Yeah. So if someone buys from your website, uh, it can come to you and saying, or they've subscribed to your course or they've done something, you can say, oh, thank Oh, hey, it comes up with their name. Hey, Simon, thanks so much for purchasing my course. Really appreciate it. And Ooh, like cool. saying, hey, Simon, to somebody on their video, they're yep. like, oh my God, this guy wrote. And I was doing it to every ticket holder uh, that purchased a ticket to my workshops. And I would get every single time I was at the workshop, everyone's like, you didn't need to send me a video, but that was so nice of you. And I was like, yeah, no, I wanted to send, I wanted to connect with you. That was me 10 seconds it took me i am literally stealing this idea it yeah. is like yeah. so good they're great no it's really good and they're awesome but it's just making that personal connection because people mm. feel like they can reach out to you and yes. a lot of ceos and a lot of business owners don't do that yeah and i understand time is a huge factor yeah. but having a connection at the start and then even passing it on to a staff member still yeah. feels like they're able to be part of the bigger part picture of the company yeah. and i know we're thinking business here but influencers, all that kind of stuff, they, and I'm not saying anything bad because they do such an amazing job, but they are trying to influence so many people without mm. making a personal connection. Mm. And personal connection is the only way to sell. You don't pitch to a thousand people hoping to get that 10%. It does work, but you realize that 90% of going, uh, yeah, I didn't really like that guy. I didn't like their sales pitch. Yeah. If you, find the audience that are willing to pay that 10%. If you know that 10% and yeah. you make a personal connection with them, that's a hundred percent sales instead of yeah. trying to reach out to a thousand people. It's different ways to make money. Totally. And that's really interesting because a lot of influencers slash creators do kind of get hung up on the fact that they need millions of followers to make an impact. Yeah. And, and in the old model where influencers just made money out of sponsored posts, obviously, yeah. yes, the more followers they have, the more they can charge. 
but a lot of, of them are getting tired of just going on that hamster wheel of chasing sponsored posts. So they are looking at how do I create a business um, and monetize my influence that way. And mm. I so I love this idea that they need to get their heads around serving a small, small targeted group of people in a really highly personalized way. Well, it, you, you're right on the money there, but it is also this whole thing of understanding what you're selling and the value of what you're selling to people, which yes. people just don't understand. And it's one of the hardest things for a lot of business owners to get over. Mm. It's just going, the gin and tonic starting to make me burp as well. That's fine. Twice. That's fine. We're, all, we're my friends now. It's all good. <laughs> I've been selling it very hard. But um, the people just get uncomfortable about actually going, my value, my worth, and who's willing to buy for it, pay for yes. it. But that's yeah. that's all the validation stuff that I was saying at the start that I love doing is figuring out if people are willing to pay for it. And mm -hmm. people get really nervous about getting rejected and being yeah. said no to. And I usually just, and this is usually the way that we do the sales pitching is basically you can get 20 no's. Mm. The one yes that you get is mm. huge. I say it's the same thing as my dating life. If I get one yes, I'm very excited. <laughs> I usually have to present it to a lot of people. Nah, 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 I'm good, which is fine. But, it, but, but it's such a good point because so I do, um, so my other business, Spark, we do sales training for female founders. And that's one thing we teach is, so if you think about it, if you have a conversion rate of 10%, mm. then 90% of the time people are saying no. Exactly. <laughs> You've got to get used to it. It doesn't mean anything. Like you can, and you can always improve it and you can always optimize and get better and better, but there will always be people that say no. But people, people have a fear of rejection, which I mm. completely understand being rejected, mm. but it is not a bad thing. And this is the way door-to-door -door salesmen did so well because those guys just were happy to go boom, boom. No, not interested. Okay, that's fine. Sorry to bother you and walk away. And that's, yeah. you just have to be like, okay, that's fine. They might've been in the middle of a TV show. You don't know what was going on in their lives totally. to say no. If they're just probably not interested in buying, they probably just bought a crappier product from someone that's almost identical and they can't spend that money. It yeah. doesn't really matter yeah You're looking for the people that would say yes and if you get a hundred percent no's then you know it's not a business you know you can't make money because i've mm. had six failed businesses in the past because right. i didn't do that validation stage i didn't do that yeah. i was like oh this is an amazing idea i'm <laughs> to pay for this this is awesome one was capturing grandparents stories so like filming old people, making a documentary about them so that they would last forever. You could show their grandkids. But we found out that a lot of people weren't willing to spend because our videos were two and a half grand at that point. People mm -hmm. weren't willing to spend two and a half grand on somebody that they were taking care of anyway. And they mm -hmm. were trying to save up for their holiday. And they were like, oh, we could do it a year down the track when they're a little bit older. It's okay. We've got mm -hmm. expenses and bills to pay. We didn't do that validation stage. We just made the business and thinking it was going to work. Mm. And it didn't. So it is so important. I I could not agree with you more in terms of validation. The biggest thing I because I've done the same thing. I've made products. I've spent thousands of dollars on developing stuff only for no one to want it. And so I finally realized <laughs> that I had to sell it first. I was like, make someone give me money, and then I'll go scramble and build it. It's it's why you build prototypes. It's why you test yeah. them up. And all that stuff and it, to be honest if you want to kind of relay this into the people listening to this as well mm. same thing as all your videos you've got to put crap videos out there yes. that people are going to say that was crap but don't feel bad that it was a bad video just be like mm. oh that one didn't work we've got yep. to figure out what else to make 
And that's the validation stage of figuring out the formula for you, for your brand, for your clients, brands, all that kind of stuff. That is so good. So then tell me if I'm the type of person that hates, as you can tell, I hate being on screen, (laughs) (laughs) but a lot of people don't love it. So tell me, how do I get over that? If I'm not putting out videos because I don't want to be in them or on them, what do I do? That's a huge thing. Well, to be honest, I'm one of those people. I hate it. I do not believe you. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So the first thing I wanted to do when I was a kid was be an actor. I was like, because I just wanted to be in the movie business. I was like, oh, cool, movies. This is so cool. I loved, like, Lion King was my favourite thing, which I actually Mm. didn't think was a cartoon when I was a kid. I thought that was real life. That was my weird childhood brain going on. I was like, how do lions talk? I don't understand this. Um... But I hate it. Like as soon as all of a sudden I hate public speaking, I hated being, I still do Mm. hate it to be honest. I have a little tiny fear about it. Mm. When I first started Tap It Go, when I was thinking about starting it as a brand, I had been behind the camera my entire career. I like never was in the front of it. I was always behind it. I always hired actors. I always had presenters, hosts, Mm. all that kind of stuff that were way better at it than me. Um, And I was talking about the brand, I was talking about starting it. And then I was like, literally talking to a business, my business coach, still one of my closest friends. Um, I was like, oh yeah, I'll just do voiceovers and I'll do hand stuff just so I don't have to be on camera. I just don't like presenting that way. And he's like, he literally just sat me down. I'm gonna swear, I apologize to the audience. He's Bring it like, on. Are you fucking kidding me, man. He's just <laughs> like, get on camera. You're way too good. You're way too confident. Just be on camera. It doesn't mm. matter. Like mm-hmm. people want to see you, you're the expert. You need mm. to be camera but I realized in all this training that I had I realized that there was a huge fear that every single person has a fear of being on camera there's Mm -hmm. unless you grow up with it unless you have the comfortability around it people don't understand and I actually worked out that there's a very particular reason why as our generation that wasn't in front of cameras hate hated being on cameras as adults and the main reason is is because of a mirror so having a mirror in front of you, mm. literally, you've never seen yourself with your own two eyes. Yes. You've only seen reflections or recordings of yourself. You can't yep. take your eyeballs out and look at yourself. So most of the way that we see ourselves is a reflection, a mirrored version. But the yep. weird thing is, if you actually have a mole on the right-hand side of your face, when you're looking at it, it's on the yep. left-hand side. It's a mirrored version. It's an opposite. Wow. So you're watching that and you're going, oh, sweet, great. And this is how my work. Very few people, like very, very, very few people are completely symmetrical. It's a mm. supermodel thing to be completely mm. symmetrical. Most, almost everybody has a very odd adjustment on their face. Yes. So when you see a recording of yourself, it's the opposite of what you've normally seen, the real version, the mirrored, mirrored version. Wow. And your brain just goes into this malfunction of going, that's uh, that's no, not me. That's, I don't look like me. that. <laughs> I don't look like that. That's that's not right. I don't like that. Uh. <laughs> it's, it's the same as your voice. Everybody has mm. says when they hear a playback of their voice. Oh my god, I hate the sound of my voice recorded. I'm and so nasal. <laughs> the, the reason for that, there is a specific reason for that. So mm. every single person is hearing two bits of audio. They're hearing mm. their voice being projected, rebounding and coming back into their ears but then they're hearing the vibration of their chest. So if you block your ears, you can still hear your chest. That is one channel audio coming in. So your whole body's, for your entire life, you're hearing two bits of audio and going, that's the way I sound. In my head, that's exactly the way I sound. And when I heard my voice first time on radio, I sounded exactly like my little brother, who I love to death, 
but I also think he's a wanker. And I was like, oh my God, I sound like, I laugh exactly like him. We sound like, if you heard us on the phone, you wouldn't know who's who. And I was like, oh my God, I sound exactly like him. This, and I just went into freak mode. But then I realized that is who I sound like. And I, I say this to everybody in my workshop, who here likes going, having drinks with their friend, just one-on-one with a friend, having a beer, having a coffee, whatever it is, how good is that? And everyone's Mm. like, love it, love it. And I go, do you know that they can see you? (gasps) (laughs) Do you know that they can hear your voice? That's how you look and sound to the rest of the world. Only you care about that opposite version that Mm. doesn't look comfortable. Mm. Trust me, everybody knows how you sound and look and they're okay with it. Unless everyone's pointing and laughing at you every single day, it's fine. Be on camera, it's very easy. But like in saying that everyone has that light bulb moment going, oh yeah, I totally get it. Yes. But people are still uncomfortable and they Mm. look uncomfortable on camera, which is completely fine. And we have tips and tricks. And if we have time, I could probably give you a few, but we realized that people being on camera, the reason that the younger generation are so good at being on camera. Yeah is because they have been in front of camera the entire time. And what we say to people, it's the same thing as driving. We all remember driving for the first time and Mm. how much we were all crapping our pants. Yes. Getting in a car, getting on the road or a highway. Getting on the freeway, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Driving the car off to the road. Just going, I'm going 80 kilometers an hour kind of thing. but now, after a period of time, I'm literally sitting in the highway, just going, "Oh, kind of." I'm like, I don't even remember how I got home. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> autopilot. Exactly. You go from one stage to the other, going, "How the hell did I get here? I don't even remember." <laughs> you're talking on the phone with people and headsets. You're listening yeah. to music. You're listening to a podcast. It's like this podcast, maybe. Absolutely. And guessing heaps of information, but yeah. you're on autopilot. The actual action of doing it, you've yeah. done it so much, it's fine. So yeah. we say to people. Being on camera, you just have to start doing it. It's like the first mm. time you start driving. It's going to feel very uncomfortable at the start. It's going to feel very awkward. You're going to make mistakes. You might crash into a wall. It's completely fine if you do that. <laughs> just shake it off. You can buy another car. It's okay. <laughs> okay, we're not condoning that. <laughs> you not. Well, I wish you can delete the video and record it again. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's you've got way more flexibility, and like to be honest, you can rewatch it and you can yes. see if you looked bad or whatever you want. Totally. But we just tell people like it's okay if you're not an amazing driver. You just mm. have to drive from A to B. Yes. You have to get there, or you're going back to the start. Well, and also I think your perception of what's good and what everybody else's perception of what's good is completely different as well. Like, you know, you could sit there and perfect and perfect and perfect and the video totally flop. But, you know, you rock up in no makeup, just say whatever you say and post it and then it just goes crazy and everyone loves it because you've just been real. And this is the thing, there's, I, I've told so many people, as much as people say there's a formula for everything, we've, we've got the formula for video. I'm like, you might have it for now, but mm. again, it's going to change. It's going to evolve. No one's knowing what's going to happen and how yeah. it's going to work. And it's yeah. just about being confident and looking confident on camera. And we say fake it till you make it with being yeah. on camera. Mm. Just like one of the biggest things. So like we have like 15 tips about being on camera. I can't go through all of them, but I've, I've got some of the few ones. One of my favorite ones is, and this is the, something that I learned as a public speaker as well, is people have a fear of making mistakes. Mm. They have such a big fear. If they stumble and they make a set mistake, 
everything's gone. And we've all seen it. And someone talking on stage, uh, their start of their speech is amazing because they've rehearsed it a thousand times, that first yes. part, not rehearsed the end of it because they're like, they got through the entire speech once and they're like, oh, sweet. But they got yeah, through one true. part of the speech and as soon as they make a mistake, they start just start declining. And you can see them start freaking out and they start getting worse and worse. Like and worse. the deer in the headlights, like, exactly. oh, God. <laughs> and the reason for that is everyone sits there and they're listening, they're sitting on the podium, they make a mistake. They're like, I have five, I mean, I have six great tips for you. And they stumble and they correct themselves. But what's going in their brain and the audio that's going in their head is going, Huh? You, you idiot! Up. You idiot! <laughs> oh, everyone's looking at you. You know you stuffed up. Twenty bucks says you're gonna stuff. Oh, oh, oh look at you! You just stuffed up again, idiot! <laughs> oh. And they just keep going on a trajectory of really bad. And when I, because mm -hmm. I had a uh, an acting coach that's a really close friend. I used to live with them. They they gave me these tips, and um, they said, "Look, if you stuff up, mm -hmm. point it out." like make sure everyone knows that it's okay and move on so yes. the very first time i ever did a workshop i had tips for being on camera and i said tits t-i-t-s instead stop it. and stop it my mum was in the audience as well at that time and i was like oh tits for being on the audience. and i was just like oh my god i said this and only five people in the corner very close to me heard it and they kind of giggled and everyone else in the audience just went did he just, I'm not sure if he did. Uh, <laughs> so I literally just went and I stopped my talk and I just went, sorry guys, I just said tits instead of tips. Everyone laughed and we moved on and that was it. Nice. So yeah. that mistake was uh, done and dusted. It's now in the mm. past, let's keep going. Mm. And I've taken that through everything that I do. I've sworn on stage accidentally, pointed it out, everyone's giggled. And when I'm the most nervous, I make a lot of mistakes, but I just pointed out and I'm like, I've, I've shaped, like been shaking on stage and I look, mm. I, I show everyone, I'm like, look, I'm shaking. I'm so nervous. And everyone laughs and giggles and we move on. Yes. It's just, you have to be confident to make mistakes, especially on live videos, all that kind of stuff. It's fine. The, the biggest thing that I find is that the people in the audience, so whether it's live or whether it's on video, is it's hmm. the people in the audience are actually in awe of the fact that you have got the guts to stand up there. So they overlook all that stuff. So the shaking, the mistakes, the whatever, the whatever, they like, they just are like, you could have made like a thousand mistakes and they just <laughs> afterwards they're like, oh my God, you were so good. How did you get up there? How did you do that? Because they're going, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so exactly. they think that you're amazing. I believe everyone can. It's just the, they it's can. literally oh, the yeah. fear. Everyone yeah. just has that fear. And it's the fear about making videos. It's a fear of everything, which is completely fine. If mm. you're going to let that fear, you don't want to do it. You want to pay um, somebody else to do it. And this is probably one of the biggest things for your influencers. Um, mm. when we had a client of ours. Uh, he didn't want to make videos. He was like, no, yeah. no. Nah, nah. He sent a 20. Oh no, she was, she was, she's now 20, but she was mm. 16 when she came and did our workshop. Yeah. She's like, my boss just forced me to come do this workshop. She's like, I'm pretty good at videos. So I can, and I was like, I literally sat her down and I was like, can you please make sure that you're on every single video? And Within a year, can you make can you make a video a year every single week? And within a year, can you just call me? I gave her my personal number. Yep. And I was just like, call me. And she was 17. She called yep. me and she's like, oh, our, our audience has reached this. And she was bragging about it. I'm like, cool. Can you go to your boss now and ask for a crap load more money? And she was like, what? And I was like, go ask for a 200% raise. Yeah. Double your money. And if he says no, walk out the door. 
Absolutely. And, and you he, like that girl has just given him all of that IP, done all of that work. Yep. Holy crap. Well, it wasn't even that because they were wanting that every single time. And he thought that he could pay a 16 year old the same wage yeah. for being on camera. And he didn't want to be on camera, which is completely fine. Hmm. But now he has to pay a talent fee to her. Yeah. Which, oh, this is what I'm saying. I'm like, you're now the talent. You mm. now have a respect by the audience that you're going to be on camera. If he loses that, he's going to lose sales. So he's Absolutely. going to pay money to keep you. And matter of fact, she got paid double straight away when she was 17 oh her wage. She that is getting, incredible. I think she was getting paid $46 an hour at the end of it, like at a wow. 17 year old. So she was very happy. Oh that. my God. That is so good. All right. Well, let's, we're coming to time now. Mm. So I guess what have I got left for you? So talk <laughs> about showing up on camera, but I mean, what if, if we're still, you know, we know the power of video, we know we've got to do it. We know that we've got to get over our fear. Are there any tips just to make it that next level easy to get some videos out ASAP? Well, look, it's uh, yes and no. There's, there's so many different levels because, again, we're going back to those things of what type of videos are you going to make? Because yeah, if you're a professional yeah. video. But yeah. I always just tell people it's not about the type of video you make. It's about how it's actually going to benefit you because you yes. need to actually spend the time figuring it out, sitting down, if it's going to make you money because video takes a crap load of time. Mm. And everyone's sitting there going, oh, I need to make videos because we've been told. We're told the, algorithm, the algorithm, the algorithm, that's the, the reason. algorithm tells us to make videos. We need to do this. We need, mm. I'm like, you don't need to do anything. Time is your money and your effort. If mm. you could make, I said every business owner, if money was flowing in and you had to do zero, like you could just sit on the couch, would you prefer to do that? And they're like, yes. I'm like, well, let's figure out where the money's coming from first, because yes. so you don't waste your time and your money. Mm. So there's heaps of things that you can do until you test it as well. So we do tell people to make videos, mm. get yourself out there, figure it out Yeah, if you'd like, and there's mm. different things to try, but we don't know if it's actually going to make you money because if you're selling something that doesn't really sell well from your audience on social media, then you're wasting yeah. your time. Yeah. All I would say, if your social media following is all your current purchases. Mm. So we, we currently got a winery, then what they do is they just, drink wine and tell talk to their current clients about how good this wine is with this meal and the people go and make that meal that's their I want that job. social media audience they're not I trying to say buy this wine and this wine's the best and it it palettes like this and it all the people that are following on social media know that mm. and they literally go let's just sit down and drink wine together and they just do live videos they just sit there drink wine and eat and answer questions and that's it and they do really well with just oh my god but they sell so bottles cool. at 140 dollars a bottle so they're a very small boutique winery it's not trying to sell to the masses they yep. know who their audience are and they make these live videos yes. to really engage that is so cool i love that so much i think that that i want to change my career and do that <laughs> living <laughs> <laughs> it's a good career and to be that honest is... it's a good client to have because they send us free bottles i literally got a oh my god today. that's the dream <laughs> <laughs> and we take photos for them and do stuff and they're like here's some bottles go take some I'm like great and i just sip away 
I said yeah. on the photo of me drinking out of their actual bottle and they kind of got upset at me once because I thought it was a hilarious photo for something. <laughs> they did not think it was funny. Oh anyway. my God. So, I love yeah. it so much. And that's, look, that's awesome. And I think, you know, I think the biggest thing for me, so I've been taking notes furiously, mm-hmm. is, you know, really coming back to the why you're creating video in the first place, where it's going to live, whether it's actually going to make any money, like really um, analyzing it first and putting some thought into it, not yeah. just appeasing the algorithm gods. <laughs> I think that that's super cool. Well, yeah, and it's a big thing. It's like maybe if we we have time in the near future, we'll do another one, another podcast on how to make money from videos because we have a nice. whole thing about that because it's it's once you understand that and understand your pattern, mm. it's it's way more confident and you realize spending the time and effort of making videos. If you know that there's gonna be dollars at the end of it, you're like, sweet, I'm happy to spend time and effort doing this. If I know that it's gonna make me money, it's totally worth it, so yeah. I love it. Well, Wes, thank you. Cheers to you for coming on the Creator Economy Show. It's been an absolute pleasure and so much fun and I appreciate your time. It's good. I have a little buzz going on now. I'm going to make myself another drink. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I love it. The Scrunch Creator Economy Show is brought to you by none other than Scrunch. Join our global membership community and get access to the tools, education and community you need to thrive in the creator economy. I can't wait to see you in the next episode of the Scrunch Creator Economy Show.